Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest today is Steve Hasse, who is co-founder and partner of ThoughtLead, an online marketing company. Today we will discuss how to grow your online presence with free events. Steve, who is passionate about copywriting, social media, and entrepreneurship, is striving to establish himself as an up-and-coming voice in online marketing. Prior to working with ThoughtLead, he was a member of the United States Navy Band, where he served as a trumpet instrumentalist for five years. Steve's business experience also includes growing two small enterprises from the ground up, as a founder of the Prism Basque Quintet and as an independent contractor with Vector Marketing. Steve earned his Master of Music degree from the University of Maryland College Park and his Master of Arts degree in Conscious Evolution from the Graduate Institute in Milford, Connecticut. Steve, welcome. Thank you very much, Elena. It's great to be here with you. It's not often that we have a musician as a guest, so um, I'm kind of excited even though we're not going to be talking about music. It's it's one of my uh, loves in life. So um, Thank you. Yeah, well, and and uh, just just so everyone knows, I didn't play in a, a a bass quintet. It was a brass quintet. So just to make that point clear. <laughs> Thank you, my bad. I'm not pronouncing the R strongly enough. I didn't enunciate. So today we are going to be talking about the online uh, world and how to promote your business and your online presence with free events. So why don't I let you take the lead with that? What when you talk about your online presence, like, well let's start there. What are you referring to? Well, I guess I'd be referring to how many people know that your company exists online. Um if they've heard about you, uh that would be the first step and then if they're actually in communication with you or if you're in communication with them, that would be the second step. And then if they're actually purchasing from you, that'd be the third step. And then uh, purchasing from you again and then referring you to their friends. So that's kind of uh, the the ladder of, of business growth and referral development. I, uh, I, took, I learned that from John Janch of Duct Tape Marketing. But uh, yeah, so, you know, being present online means people know about you and your business is actively growing because of your online presence. Do you start out by measuring where you are so that you can get an idea of how successful your efforts were? Definitely, yeah. It's, uh, in our case, it was pretty clear where we were and that was not very far along. <laughs> you know, there was, um, we're a startup company and so our, our web presence was pretty much brand new. Um, we had been doing other things online, but as far as being a marketing consultancy, you know, helping businesses develop uh, marketing strategies and, and big ideas that get them noticed, um, we were just getting started with that. So in our case, it was pretty clear uh, where our presence was at. You know, not many people knew who we were, not much was going on. And so uh, we created this event that has um, definitely turned the tides for us and, uh, a lot of very exciting things happening. And, and you know what's going on um, when you see the kind of transformation that, that I'll be speaking with you about in just a moment. What would you recommend for those 
people for those companies who have been around for a little bit longer that they're not quite at the startup phase and they may have already already engaged in some tactics to gain exposure so that they know how effective this particular event or event series has been. Is there a measurement tool that you would recommend for them? Definitely. Um, you know, it, it, you could begin by just measuring um, certain criteria that are happening. For instance, how many people are requesting information from your website? Uh, you know, how many leads are you generating through your website? Um, how many people are blogging about you online? You know, if, if you haven't yet, I highly recommend setting up a Google alert uh, so that you can see who's talking about you online. Uh, they're very easy to set up. Just type in Google Alert in Google, and you'll be able to set them up for your business. And you'll find out who knows about you online. What are the conversations that are happening off your website? You know, because if people are coming to your website and saying, "Hey, I'm interested in what you do. Let's work together," then you know that there's someone who's interested, and that's one way of measuring your presence. But if uh, if you set up the Google Alerts, then you'll find out who's talking about your company who's having great experiences of you, who's having not so great experiences of you. And then you have the opportunity to engage with those people and enter into that conversation. Um, and and the, the Google alert is really the way that we use to, um, to find out what's going on online about us. In your case, you didn't need to put a lot of effort into it because you were starting out. For those of our listeners who want to have a starting point, they can use the uh, approach that you just suggested with Google Alerts. What do you do next? Well, so the main thing that I would recommend, it centers around what you're able to offer to your community. Um, in our case, we created uh, a big event that has generated quite a lot of buzz. And I'll, I'll go into details of that in just a moment. But more generally, what you need to do to grow your online presence is be listening to what your customers are looking for, what they're interested in, and also be creative about how you could help them prior to even engaging in a, in, in a, uh, a, you know, in, in, in a sale with them, where you can actually just help them with their problems. One of the best examples I've seen of this is um, comes from the book Trust Agents by Chris Brogan and Julian Smith. And they speak about a fellow who started a, um, a podcast, just like you're doing here, Elena, on uh, student loans. So he was covering every issue of, uh, you know, the life of someone between high school and college, uh, his business was selling student loans, but he started a podcast to basically help everyone who's in that market. So the teachers, the guidance counselors, the students, and made the podcast relevant to all of them. And he grew his business, you know, when his competition was Sally May and, you know, the, the, these giants of the industry. He grew his business in, in uh, some very strong ways just through creating content that was helping his market. You know, he wasn't trying to sell the student loans on the front. He was just trying to create the relationships on the front. So as far as growing your web presence, that's the, the single most important thing that I could recommend is find out what your customers would like to learn from you, you know, how you could improve their lives before you even make the sale and help them with that. 
And then you have the relationships, you have the communication channels established, and then the next obvious step is to go ahead and purchase from your company. That sounds like a great concept. I think many people listening to you say, okay, so how do I do that? <laughs> because as we know, people tend to be very busy and the mm-hmm. online world is sometimes is a bit impersonal. So how do you find out what your customers, especially if you're a startup and you haven't established those relationships yet, mm-hmm. how do you find out what your customers want? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Um, because everything is public on the internet, you can find what you're looking for. So you just have to know how to look for it. And so my two suggestions for looking for what people want are, number one, find blogs that are in your similar uh, field, your, your industry. There is definitely at least one person, probably two, maybe five, even ten people who have a passionate readership around your topic of uh, of what your business is um, and if if they don't then you could be that person but but the the blogging has been happening for long enough that I can almost guarantee that there would be a community of people who are actively discussing your industry online right now so what you do is you go to a site like technorati technorati.com and you search on there for blogs and you type in your industry, and then you'll find the top five to ten blogs in there, um, and then you just sort of follow around. You see, you you, you take a look at, uh, you know, who's posting content regularly, who's engaging a community where there's actually comments being left on the blog, and the thing is, what you'll find is the people who are writing about it will be addressing topics of interest, and then the people who are leaving comments will basically let you know what's being left out or what really strikes a chord, what they want to follow up on. And then that gives you an opportunity to create content around what those people are interested in. So you can really, you know, the, the, the ability to, to conduct market research and find what people, uh, you know, what resonates with your target customers has never been greater. Um, and so using blogs is the first way that I'd recommend doing that. The second is actually... Uh, social networks such as Twitter. I'm most familiar with Twitter, uh, but also LinkedIn and Facebook are very powerful tools as well. Um, I know a li- you know, I know, I know less about those two. What you do with Twitter is similar to what you do with blogs, where you, you go to search.twitter.com and you type in the name of your industry or maybe, you know, the name of your industry and, uh, help or growth or, you know, some other word that would make it a little bit more specific. And you'll find everybody who's having conversations about your industry, in your industry, maybe even about your business. So then what you do, the thing that's great about Twitter is it allows you to connect with people with a very low level of commitment. You just say, hey, I saw that you were talking about, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're in uh, – uh, travel, you know, say, hey, I saw you were talking about, uh, you know, taking a trip to Barbados. When are you going out? That, that, that sounds like fun. I've been to Barbados a couple of times myself. And so you just strike up a relationship with people who might be in a position to purchase from you. And it is primarily about the relationship. And then if the purchase decision comes, then that's great. But as any great salesperson knows, you, you first have to make that connection. 
you can't be in it for the sale first. And so that's why they call it social media. Oftentimes business owners think that you're just wasting your time because you're just being social. But we all know that we buy from people that we like. So social media is powerful because it gives you an opportunity to be liked by a lot of people who could buy from you. And so those would be the two things that I recommend is finding out who's talking on blogs and what they want to know and finding out who's talking on Twitter and how you can make friends with them and how you can help them out. Looking at Twitter, which you said that you were particularly familiar with, since I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that a lot of our listeners are familiar with the concept of blogs and that part of the discussion. Let's take a quick look at the Twitter example that you shared. How would you go about using Twitter? And maybe we should just, for the sake of making sure that everyone is following the discussion, explain what Twitter is and how it works and then perhaps you could tell us how you would go about approaching someone that you thought had a common interest with you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, we could honestly do a whole hour-long talk on Twitter. <laughs> so I'll try to keep it, keep it brief and, and just to the, the core points. Um, you know, for, for the very beginner, Twitter basically allows you to type 140-character uh, entries and just publish what you're thinking, what you're reading. It's often used to share links to websites, uh, you know, interesting blog posts, interesting resources, you know, valuable information, news stories, all that kind of stuff. And there are a number of ways to focus in on a signal because the, the, the problem with Twitter is, you know, the, to use I guess the engineering parlance is, you know, signal versus noise. There's millions of people on it. Everyone's saying everything. How do you focus on, on a, how do you focus in on a particular thing? One of the ways is to do the, the search function that I just mentioned. But another way is to actually create a list of people that you're interested in hearing from. You can, you can, um, you can either follow people, which, uh, which is one way of doing it. If, if you're interested in only hearing from a certain 100 people. Let's say you, let's say you've discovered through searching that there's 100 people who are actively interested in, um, again, let's say you're, you're, you're a travel agent and you want to be working with people, uh, uh, to help, you know, people who are frequent travelers. And so, so you've found people through searching that you have realized are on the go all the time and you want to help them out. So, so then you strike up relationships with them. You offer to be helpful. You, you know, you, and, and then, so what you do to make sure that you keep in touch with them is you follow them. You just click a button on their Twitter profile and then your Twitter profile will be following theirs. So their updates will show up on your page. And then you'll be able to see what they're up to. And again, it's, it's, it's such an interesting thing because, you know, when you learn about sales in the physical world, you learn about, um, Connecting with people just on a human level where, you know, what's, what's your dog's name? When's your anniversary? You know, just the things about someone's life that don't matter to the business, but actually do matter to the relationship. So then, you know, these people that you've just followed, you're able to communicate with them about just things that are going on in their life. You'll be able to put forward things that are going on in your life and that humanizes you too. You know, you don't want it to be just a one-way relationship. So, um, those would be some of my initial suggestions in Twitter. Does that, does that help? Absolutely. 
I think right. that the, the challenge for a lot of people is they they have a hard time seeing the utility in Twitter that mm. they see a lot of people that are making comments. I'm going for a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm taking my dog out for a walk. And they find that that's not really of interest to them. Right. Would you hone in a little bit more on, okay, so you're following, or sometimes you'll see somebody who's following 20,000 people or even uh-huh. 2,000 people, yep. and they can't keep up. I mean, I, I'm not following that many people, and I can't keep up. All of a sudden, I turn and I look at my Twitter page, and there's 50 updates. <laughs> so they've gone past me before I could even see them. Yeah. How do you, how do you rein that in so that it's useful? Well, again, it does go back to creating relationships um, where, for me, there's about 10 people that I'm pretty close with on Twitter that when I see their things, I read what they're talking about, I, I respond to them, they respond to me. And then there's about 150 or so that I'm generally in touch with and generally aware of. And then there's kind of the outliers who come onto my radar in different ways that I'll just respond to. And so what's happening, though, in all of those cases, you know, the, the, the big criticism about Twitter is that it's superficial, you know, that all the relationships are superficial and they don't really mean all that much. But that's not entirely true because when you are um, responding to people, you know, passing their information along, like let's say someone creates a fantastic blog post and you share it with your network, that's creating goodwill. You know, you just passed along their work to your people and, and that's very valuable. So, so it is a way of exchanging value online that translates into real business results. Um, I know a woman who runs a, uh, a copywriting business. You know, she, she, uh, she writes web copy and all of her business comes through connections on Twitter. She, she knows people and communicates with them and, you know, shares information and comments on their blog posts. And, you know, y- you set up your account so that you, you get to know a certain handful of people that you really resonate with, that you like spending time with, and that if you were in the same room, you'd be having a fantastic time together. How do you do that? <laughs> well, Let's see. I mean, again, you start with the search function. You see who's talking about what you're interested in, you know, um, or you, you go to the blogs. If anyone is writing a blog and they know what they're doing, there is going to be a, uh, uh, they are going to have either a Twitter presence, Facebook, or LinkedIn. They're, they're going to be on one of those three platforms. And then you get to know them on those platforms. You know, if someone is putting out information, putting themselves out there, creating all this content, then you can reach out to them both in the comments on their blog. That's one way to develop that relationship. And then also um, in these different social media areas. Now, so that would be a relationship with a content creator. If, if you're going to be speaking with your customers, let's say you're more B to C, uh, you know, your customers aren't necessarily going to be having their own travel blog. You know, if you're a travel agent, your customers probably aren't going to be maintaining a, a large blog on their travels. They're going to be talking about other things. But um, if you uh, you could do a Google search for airport, you know, or uh, 
uh, Caribbean or, or, or something like that, where you're just starting to get in touch with anyone who's like, I'm at the airport again, or, you know, heading down to the Caribbean for three week vacation. I, I, I love traveling places. You know, you can just start to see who's talking about these things that, that will, um, make them your perfect customer. Okay. So you've started out with the blog and the Twitter approaches and you have identified what your customer wants are. What do you do next? Well, you need to start creating content that your customers, that your future customers will find incredibly valuable. In fact, the more valuable they find your content, the quicker your web presence will grow. And if you set up your systems the right way, then also the quicker your business will grow. So I'd like to give some examples of that. Um, my field is in online marketing, and some of my peers inspire me to no end when they create free content that you know, so, so for instance, there's a fellow, his name is Dave Navarro. He's at thelaunchcoach.com. And his customers are people who want to launch products online. That's who he's reaching out to. So what he does, he has this blog that um, he'll post new information on the blog. He'll, he'll post some kind of case study. It'll be, some, it'll be something that you might want to pay for because it's so valuable, but he'll give it, to, give it away to you for free. And then in the comments, he'll say, let me know what else you want me to create. What else do you want to know? What else can I create for you that would, would, would solve a burning issue in your life? And so someone, you know, a lot of people would say, uh, I have a problem writing sales letters. It's, uh, you know, I don't, my sales letters aren't very good. Help me out with sales letters. And what Dave did was create an hour-long video on how to write a sales letter he created a template where you can plug your things into the sales letter and you'll have a strong sales letter. He created a questionnaire that if you answer his questions, then you'll be ready to plug those into the template. And he gave examples of his favorite sales letters so you have a swipe file. All for free. That's the sort of thing that you could sell for $100 and sell you know, a couple hundred of those to your community. And he just gave it away. Now, do you think that the people who get that information listen to it, learn it, start seeing results in their business are going to be ready to buy when Dave offers the next thing, you know, something even more high level, kind of ongoing training, you know, something at a high level. You bet they are in love with him because he gives, because he helps them so much just as part of their relationship. So that's what I would suggest the next step that you do is create something that when your audience sees it, they're blown away. They're so blown away, in fact, that when they're at work the next day, they just start talking to their friends about it. They say, there's this thing. You have to go see it. You'll, you'll love it. I'm sharing Dave Navarro's thing with all of you because it blew me away. That's what I would suggest as the next step is create something that, that stretches beyond what you think might be reasonable <laughs> but will get your, uh, get your customers, get your audience results uh, for, you know, for which the next obvious step would be to, to purchase your product, purchase your services, um, you know, some way of being so helpful and such a part of someone's life, you know, because when you're using this free content, it's becoming part of your life. You know, you're engaging um, with with that person's content in a way that that um, 
you know, it, 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 it's, it actually is building a deep relationship. So you, you find the people online and then you're offering them something that will continue the relationship. The non-believers, Steve, will say that people will just take it and get on their merry way. And perhaps they would use as an example the media crisis that we're facing today, which is that the newspapers, for example, are the backbone, if you will, in a lot of ways of our country, are having a financial crisis. They can't stay afloat. They can't break even. People are gathering the information that they want from their websites, and they're going about their life taking the media outlet for granted, and they can't yet find a way to generate revenue. Mm-hmm. How do you counter that? What is it that's going to keep people from just taking the information and going on with their business the way that they do with media? Yeah. Well, I'd say two things in response to that. The first is um, it's good to give people a reason to let you stay in touch with them. So in other words, what I mean by that is don't set everything up on your website so that people can come, take a look, learn what they want to learn, and then run away. Set it up so that they want to sign up. One of the principles that we have in in pretty much all the work that we do with our clients and also in our own projects that we launch is that you want to be building your customer database, your 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 list of prospects all the time. You know, your your list is your greatest asset. And so one of the things that I would highly recommend is you know, when you offer this content you can certainly offer a lot of it for free, but have something that's flagship content, something that's so remarkable that it, you know it catches everybody's attention, at least the attention of, of your your perfect prospects, and you offer it to them in exchange for, frankly, the ability to market to them. You know, in exchange for their first name and email address, create an opt-in box on your website. Make sure it's above the fold so people don't have to scroll down to see it. Make the button really big and stand out and give people a compelling reason to sign up to be on your mailing list. You know, there's, there's, uh, tons of ways to do this. Um, one of the ways is to, you know, offer some kind of very intriguing high level special report. You know, if you're, uh, I don't know if, if, if you're a, a cleaning company, you could offer, you know, the top 10 ways to, to keep your, to keep your house clean in between our visits or, you know, the top 10 ways to avoid cleaning disasters or, you know, just, just some kind of top 10 list, some, some kind of, uh, valuable information that if people are on your site and they're interested in your services, that would be, um, an easy step for them to take is, okay, I'll just, I'll sign up for this person's email list and get this great information. Then you're able to follow up with them. You're able to develop the relationship on your terms, which is, you know, in communication via email. Okay, excellent. So you are providing information that makes you valuable to them, and at the same time, you are using that to create a marketing database for yourself? Absolutely. What do you do next? Well, you got to offer things for sale. <laughs> because if, uh, if you're connecting with people, if you are getting out there in the 
online community, you know, on the blogs and on Twitter, bringing people back to your website. Now, all of this, mind you, that's if if your customers are online. Most people's are, you know, there most industries people will be online. They will be speaking about things. Some obviously they won't, and then you'll need to come up with different strategies. But the internet's not going anywhere, you know, and and more and more it is becoming our source for finding information, for making decisions, and so having these basic pieces in place are very important. You know, having the um. Have, having the opt-in box on your website. So the what next, though, frankly, is uh, make them an offer. You know, if, if you're building your marketing database, then um, in addition to sending out new content, uh, notifications of what's new on the blog, you know, interesting videos that you just posted, you know, where, where you're in touch with people, you, you are being, you're becoming known as a person who's very helpful in their life. Then while you're doing that, you can also make offers because it's very obvious. The context for their relationship with you is business. So, um, you can feel free to say, guess what? We've got a special. Come on into the shop and, uh, ask for such and such and we'll give you, you know, such and such percent off or, be selling things online. You know, if, if your business can take place online, I highly recommend, um, you know, opening up the revenue opportunities that might exist for selling information products, for selling uh, online training. Uh, online education is is growing enormously. So if there's a, a knowledge aspect of what you create, uh, of what your business is, then then I'd recommend offering that. But yeah, the next step is to to make an offer. Where does the free event concept come into the equation? So the free event concept comes into the equation um, right alongside the free content. Basically, an event is a turbocharged way of offering your content. Um, and it's, it's, it's very exciting, and it can grow your list in a hurry. If you already have a list, then the event can um, – you can leverage that list – to uh, to to increase the effectiveness of your event, so um, the event comes into play basically as a way of of having content that's time based. Okay, so when you when you create content and it's very valuable content, then uh, it doesn't exist in time. The internet, there's no time attached to it, like we were speaking about before we even started our, our call here, Elena. Uh, the, you can access anything at any time. So creating an event makes it so that people are aware of your web presence on a time schedule, which is actually very powerful because as human beings, we relate to things in time. You know, I, I think there's, uh, a certain amount of um, getting used to the fact that the internet is asynchronous. That's that's the technical word for it. Uh, uh, free from time. Um, that that we're still just figuring out what the implications of that are and how that's going to change the way we think about things. You know, ne- never have ha- have things been so asynchronous as they are now with with what's possible online. But having an event makes it so that. It's in time. You can generate buzz. Um, and uh, maybe this would be a good opportunity to speak a little bit about how to create 
events that do that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, okay. So um, I'd like to use the event that we just recently did as, as a case study because, well, for two reasons. One is because it had such tremendous effect on our own um, uh, database. You know, if, if you're on the list, don't worry, I'm not thinking of you as a number in our database. It's definitely the relationship is still first and foremost. But as business people, you know, these are the metrics that we use is how many leads did you acquire? You know, how big is your database? That kind of thing. Um, and, and it has a tremendous effect on those kinds of, uh, uh, hard, you know, those hard numbers. And as, as well as the ability to grow out our, our network, which as we all know, you know, your network, dramatically, uh, you know, has a dramatic effect on, on your, the ability of your business to grow. So um, the event that we did, it was called the Influencer Project. You can take a look at it at influencerproject.com. And what we did was we brought together 60, 60 of the web's leading thinkers on new media, uh, on, you know, social media, and basically asked them to each speak for one minute on how to increase your influence online. And we got some of the biggest names to come on board with us, which was, was, I mean, pretty much shocking because, you know, like I said, we're a startup. We don't have much clout. And yet we got people like Guy Kawasaki, um, John Janch, who I mentioned earlier, David Meerman Scott, uh, Ann Handley, Ann Holland. Uh, if, you know, if you're in the marketing world, these, these are names that you, you may have run across. Gary Vaynerchuk. And so there were, there were 60 people who got on board and each spoke for around a minute on how to increase your influence online. Now, what happened from that? And, and so, so basically the offer to the online community was sign up, you know, Share your name and email address with us. We'll never share it with anyone else. But in exchange for that, you'll have access to the broadcast when it goes live. And it went live on um, July 6th, 2010. And you'll also have access to the MP3 recordings of the event as well as the digital transcript of the event. So we basically made it an irresistible offer. You know, 60 of the web's leading thinkers speaking for a minute each. It was a very exciting format. You know, a lot of people who saw it were just sort of blown away by the format itself, not to mention the, the, the topic, you know, a very important topic about having influence online. And then also the roster of speakers who are some of the most, you know, like I said, uh, most accomplished people uh, in the online business. And so, so we made an irresistible offer to the community of people that we want to be, you know, that we want to serve, the people that we want to be working with. And the results were, were quite phenomenal. You know, within, within about two and a half weeks, we're about two and a half weeks after starting the, the promotional campaign. You know, we've, we've generated around, you know, just over 4,000 leads, which, you know, it's not huge. It's not like we brought in, 50,000 new leads or 100,000 new leads, but going from zero to 4,000 in a period of three weeks for an event that didn't cost us a whole lot because all the speakers donated their one-minute time um, is a pretty attractive proposition, uh, especially when what was happening before that, even though, you know, we were trying different things, but they weren't remarkable. You know, they weren't, they didn't catch the imagination. They didn't make people in our market go, oh my God, you have to, you have to check this out. Um, so we weren't really getting much results. So this was really our first, uh, our first opportunity of, of, of really getting traction in our market, kind of making a splash and, um, 
just getting out there. So, so it was because it was an event. Um, but then also what we have on, on the, the, the back end of that is the ability to share the MP3, you know, do different things with that recording, um, create a, a blog post out of each one minute section, uh, you know, turn the transcript into an ebook that will then be able to either sell or offer as our valuable opt-in offer on our company's homepage. So, so the opportunities with an event are, are pretty incredible. In this case, the event itself was the making the information, the aggregate information available to your audience. Is that right? Yeah, well, the event itself was a broadcast of the one hour, um, which, you know, technically we recorded all of the interviews in advance. I think it would have been pretty much impossible given everybody's schedule and, uh, uh, you know, just, just given the logistical challenge of it to have any of them be live. So we presented them all, uh, recorded. But, you know, the, the broadcast, and Elena, here was the incredible thing about having be an event as well, is we leveraged uh, Twitter and email in a way that helped the thing spread far beyond just um, presenting it in, in, you know, just presenting it on a web page and over the phone. It was, it was a webcast, so people were listening on the web and also could dial in via phone. But, but we had we had been interacting with people on Twitter in such a way that there were around, there were over 3000 tweets that were sent around that broadcast itself which was incredible for us we had never gotten that kind of response before did you do all of the legwork yourselves or did you also rely on a third party marketing or public relations company to help you leverage the event well, um, we worked with Wynn Stanley Partners in Lenox, Massachusetts, here where I live, and uh, they helped. They actually got in touch with you, right? Uh, yes, I think that's how I first heard about the event and about you. That's right. That's right. Jacqueline from Wynn Stanley got in touch with you. Uh, she got in touch with other people. And so we, we basically we were trying to use as many avenues as we possibly could. So we were working with Wynn Stanley. We were also reaching out to our speakers because the thing is, each of those speakers has an audience. They all have a Twitter following. They all have a blog. And so if, if, you know, if you're going to be creating an event, an online event of your own, that would be one of the top things that I'd ask you to keep in mind is when we're bringing people on board for this, are they simply experts in the field? Because if they're just experts, that's fine. But if they're experts who are also connected, if they have a large email list that they could mail out to, if they have a blog readership, if they have, you know, 50,000 people following them on Twitter, that's even more powerful because then they're able to do the marketing and PR for you. Now, the interesting thing is, if your idea isn't remarkable, if your offer isn't irresistible, then they won't do the marketing for you. <laughs> you know, in, in, with social media, People will only share, you know, if they really value their reputation, which is the most valuable asset you have with social media. If they value their reputation, they won't share things just because they're involved in them or just because they think it's a, uh, uh, you know, there might be some financial benefit for them. People will only share things if they think it's truly remarkable and if they think that their audience would be better off because they've heard about it. So, so that's one of the things to keep in mind when, when working with people to help spread the word.
is like I started out with, there's so much noise out there that there's a lot of value in being a filter for that noise. And oftentimes people who have a large following have a large following because they're very effective filters. They'll only share information that they know their community is going to be very excited about, really respond positively to, and that's going to build their own reputation and influence online. So when you're creating something, you have to make sure that it's catchy, valuable, and again, like I said, that it's just that irresistible offer that the people that you bring on board will just naturally share it with their network because it's actually just really cool. Um, that was that's what happened with with the event that we created. And again, we've created events where where it was literally just crickets. You know, we we've done things where like, oh, this is so great, and the response was so lackluster, we couldn't even believe it. And it was because it wasn't catchy, it wasn't remarkable, it was valuable, but it wasn't the sort of thing that people would just naturally talk about. But with this one, because it was this interesting format, you know, the sixty and sixty. People were blogging about it that we didn't even know. Not, not These people, they weren't even speakers. They were just taking it into their own hands and saying, this is cool. I want to talk about this. Look at these speakers. I can't wait for the broadcast. Totally unrelated third parties. And that is awesome for our brand. It's awesome for our, our influence in, in the sphere and for having us uh, uh, you know, get noticed by the people that we want to be working with, the people we want to be serving. So when you're creating your event, you have to make sure that an unrelated third party would be able to say, this is fantastic. You have to check this out. It's really valuable and sign up now. <laughs> How did you go about selecting these top 60 thinkers? What was the selection criteria that you had in mind? Well, um, like I said before, you know, you, it was about influence. So we wanted to make sure it was people who had influence, you know. Um, you don't want to be talking to people about influence if they aren't influential in some way, you know, even in their own, uh, you know, within their own community, you know, sort of leading a community of some sort. So that would mean having a blog that was popular, um, being someone that another person who we see as an influencer trusts, respects, admires, recommends, you know, because one of the challenges of bringing 60 people on board is, um, that's a lot of people. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta find ways to sort of do shortcuts. And one of the incredible things that started to happen was we'd reach out to one person and that person would say, this is fantastic. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Let me introduce you to 10 of my friends who should definitely be part of it. She's like, oh, okay. And so then our network grows and we find 10 new speakers. Introduce, you know, interview one of them and they say, you got to have so-and-so on this. He's got to be on it. And then you check out his site and sure enough, he's, he's very influential, you know, being approached by book publishers to, uh, you know, uh, to, to come out with books. And you're just like, oh, I didn't even know that this guy uh, had so much going on. And then, then you put him on the show. And so, so things, they just start to spread as you start to follow a couple of initial leads. You know, in our case, we went to um, we went to some lists. We went to alltop.com. It's Guy Kawasaki's uh, content aggregation site. It's incredibly valuable. That's a l l t o p dot com, and uh, we just looked for marketing blogs and we looked for the top ten marketing blogs. And obviously, we asked Guy himself because he's such a such an influ influencer himself, and he did get on board. And um, interesting story with 
with Guy was uh, one of the mistakes that we made in, in this event was we didn't ask our speakers to be uh, on Twitter while the, the, while the presentation was happening, you know, while the conference was happening. And we, we totally blew that one because there was such a conversation happening on Twitter at that time because we were, we were facilitating it. You know, we, we were encouraging people to use, um, what's called a hashtag, which is a way on Twitter to follow a certain conversation. Um, so we were encouraging people to use that hashtag. We were sparking the conversation. Um, we had done a contest for the slot to be the 60th speaker. You know, we had 59 speakers. We said, if you want to be the 60th speaker, send us your tweet, uh, you know, use the hashtag influencer, and we'll select the best one, uh, you know, the week before the broadcast. And that generated hundreds of entries. So, you know, and, and with, with each one, that was building buzz along the way, you know, they were going along and then one person noticed that there were all these incredible things happening over at hashtag influencer. And then they started retweeting every single one to their list of about 90,000 followers. You know, we weren't even connected with that person, but he was seeing what was going on and then spreading the word from there. So it, it was really, um, Oh, okay. So I remember the point it was about guy Kawasaki was, he was he was online at the time he was he was on twitter but he wasn't in in the broadcast you know he wasn't uh he wasn't actively taking part in the conversation because well we didn't let our speakers know that that, that would be a good thing to do um but what happened was people were uh uh re they were repeating the the content that he had shared with people on the broadcast and sort of questioning it or saying, oh, man, I don't think that's a good idea. It was, it was somewhat controversial. He said uh, to repeat your tweets. When you're creating content, don't just send them out there once, but actually send them out multiple times because, you know, no one's going to dig through your list of what you sent. Uh, they're they're going to um, – they're just going to read what's out in front of them. So go ahead and repeat them. And that sparked quite a controversy. You know, there are people who are like, oh, that's brilliant. My God, I never thought of that. And there were other people who were like, what a jerk. I'm not going to do that. You're just, you're just being careless and blah, blah, blah. And then Guy Kawasaki weighed in right there on the, uh, on the conversation. He was like, well, try it for yourself. It's worked for me and uh, see what kind of results you get. And it was just really cool having him there in the live, uh, in the live chat as well. Were there any emerging market influencers that you can think of in your list of 60 since uh, some in our audience of course have an interest in Hispanic markets and of course other emerging markets, Asian and African American. Were there any top influencers from those emerging markets among your guests? There were. Um, Guy Kawasaki, he's uh, Japanese and um, we had uh, uh, an African American fellow, uh, David Bullock, was there, and uh, Hoslin Mane was from Dominican Republic, and um, it was it was great. We had um, those were those are the main ones, but it was very interesting because we got a lot of response actually from around the world saying, "Can you do this in Greece? You know, can can you do this in Netherlands?" Uh, can you do this in Israel? Can you do this in the UK? Honestly, a lot of our speakers were American. Uh, you know, they were, we had one fellow from the UK, Chris Garrett, uh, who's uh, a blogger who lives in the UK. But everyone else was, was, uh, you know, from the States. And we were just like, oh man, yeah, we probably should have made this more worldwide. But, uh, I think that'll be for the next, the next influencer project. Maybe we could partner on a, uh, 
uh, influencer project for the Hispanic community. That sounds like an exciting idea. <laughs> How do you land on this catchy, valuable, irresistible concept? How do you know what is that irresistible concept that you need to leverage, that you need to capture your audience with? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I mean, it's, I'd say that, uh, you know how Edison, when asked, how did you have so many great inventions? He said, because I had so many bad inventions. <laughs> That's definitely part of it is you just have to come up with a lot of ideas and see what sticks. Honestly, we've, we've had countless, you know, ideas that we thought were great ideas that ended up not getting any kind of traction at all. So a big part of it is just putting yourself out there, seeing what works, seeing what people respond to, um, and just trying a lot of different things. So that's that's the non-sexy answer, but I do have a sexy answer, so we'll, we'll go with that now. Is um, we, we did some thinking on, on what made the Influencer Project actually, uh, to use Dan and Chip Heath of Made to Stick, to use their phrase, what made it sticky, what, what made it so that people responded immediately and said, oh my gosh, I have to sign up for this, I even have to write about it. Um, and we came up with a couple of things that maybe help your listeners in, in how they think about creating their own events or creating their own content that people are going to resonate with. And one of them is to create a meme, M-E-M-E. So, so, so what that means is like to create a, a, a catchy, repeatable phrase that, uh, that people can pass easily from from one person to another that 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 stands out in the mind and that um you can you can share as as kind of a, a social object you know a, a a thing that when you say it people go oh that's cool so in our case we call this the shortest marketing conference ever you know and when when we came up with this idea we were like oh that's cool then we said it can't just be the name of the thing there has to be a way to relate to it that is simple that's catchy, that people can repeat. And so, you know, the shortest marketing conference ever um, is, is something that people are like, oh, man, it's bold, it's gutsy, and they can talk about it. You know, I think we got thousands of tweets um, that were, you know, where the, that, that phrase was included. Join me for the shortest marketing conference ever, and then the link to our webpage. Um, and the way that the way that we facilitated that, by the way, and this is a tactic that I'd like to share with your listeners that helped us a lot and that I'd highly recommend, is using email and using your web page to uh, to to spread your message the way you'd like it to be spread. So, in other words, um, what we did was on our landing page, which you can see at influencerproject.com, we had a, a button that says "Tweet this." So you just click on that button, and then it would open up Twitter, and it would be pre-populated with the message, join me for the shortest marketing conference ever, and then the, uh, the link to our landing page. So we incorporated that meme, you know, the shortest marketing conference ever, which got blogged about, it got talked about, you know, people were just like, oh, this looks interesting, or wow, too fun, or I hope they'll be able to deliver the goods. You know, it's a lot of hype. Let's see if it actually comes through. You know, so you're sort of sparking controversy. If it can be somewhat controversial, that's very good. Um, and then you use social media to, uh, to, to continue that. Also, what we did, not just Twitter, because, you know, certain audiences are on certain platforms, like I said earlier. 
And so you can also do it with Facebook. You can have pre-populated links that when someone clicks on it, it adds it to their Facebook profile and says, I'm going to be going to, you know, in our case, it was the influencer project. Or if you're putting on an event, I'm going to be attending your event. Um, also, I highly, highly, highly recommend integrating your website with Facebook. Um, I know I'm sort of going on a diversion here from how to create uh, uh, attractive events to how to in, utilize social media to grow your web presence. But think about this. 500 million people are on Facebook. People from all around the world in all different demographics are using it as part of their daily life. You know, they're not just on it for a minute or two. They're sharing a lot. They're on it as a big part of how they interact with the world, how they interact with the Internet. Um, and so if you get your uh, fan page for your business set up on Facebook, what you'll be able to do is integrate in all of your emails that you send out, on all of your event pages, and on your business's homepage, little buttons that say, become a fan of my business, become a fan of this event. And when the person clicks on that button, it shows up in their Facebook timeline. So all of their friends see, oh, my friend is a fan of this business. That's cool. I like my friend. Maybe I'll like that business too. And so the element of social proof is so powerful. You know, it's called social media and it's not just, you know, it, 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 we're not just messing around here. It's actually social proof. Who else likes this? Who just like me likes this business is a huge way, is a huge part of how we make our, our, our business decisions, you know, how we make our buying decisions. So, so integrate with social media in some way and you'll see dramatic effects on your business. Because also what you're able to do when that person says, yes, I like this business, is you're then able to communicate with them through Facebook. You're able to send messages to everyone who's a fan of your group, uh, everyone who's a fan of your business via Facebook. So that's another way to grow your database. Um, so now back to the, the, the question of big ideas. So the first was to have some kind of meme. You know, Use language in a way that it's catchy, somewhat controversial if possible, and, um, and can spread easily from person to person. The second would be have it be some kind of collective ethos, you know, some way that, that, that the people involved can be a part of it. Uh, whether, you know, in our case, what we did was we had 60 speakers. So it was, we're calling it the influencer project. So it's a way for, um, the speakers to come together and create a body of knowledge around influence, online influence, and it's a way for the audience to be part of a project. And that's what people were feeling, excuse me, in the, in the, the Twitter chat that was happening alongside the actual broadcast. They were saying the conversation that's happening on Twitter is just as valuable as what's happening in the actual broadcast. So the people felt a part of it. You know, everyone who was part of it felt like they were contributing to this project. Which is awesome, you know, because, because then my company, Thought Lead, isn't the leader. We're the ones who are bringing the space together. So we're, we're sort of the de facto leader, which is the only position we could possibly be in as a startup. You know, we're not Guy Kawasaki. We don't have countless books and countless decades of business experience and leadership in the market under our belt. So, so we needed to be able to bring people together to make everyone else the star and have it be um, a movement from from everyone else who's who's participating, both the speakers and the participants. Um, so those, I think, those would be the two 
the two main things. And then, the, and then the third, I guess, would be just to, uh, come up with an interesting format. You know, something about what you do has to be new. You can use elements from, from, uh, from other things that you've seen, other initiatives that you've seen companies do. Um, but make sure that there's something radical about what you're doing. Because if it's just the same as everybody else's, it's not going to cut through the noise. You know, it, you, you might get a certain result from it, but it's going to be a lot more challenging than if you come up with something that that's fresh. You know, some some new angle where where you're just sort of digging for what's that idea that hasn't been done yet uh, that you can apply to to your initiative. Thank you, Steve, for joining us from Lenox, Massachusetts. Thank you, Elena. It was fantastic speaking with you. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Steve Hasse, who is co-founder and partner of ThoughtLead, an online marketing company. Today we discuss how to grow your online presence with free events. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.